But what I will say to someone that wants to start a business, I will say, be prepared to have the highest highs that no one in your life would ever experience if they did not own a business. You will have higher highs than anyone. But to counter that, you will also have the lowest lows that anyone will ever experience owning a business. Welcome to the Attraction Pros Podcast, where we discuss the latest trends and challenges facing the attractions industry today. We chat with some of the top leaders in the field and provide resources that will help develop your career in this great industry. I am Josh Liebman. I am obsessed with the guest experience and helping attractions make that their top priority for success. And I'm Matt Heller. I am passionate about organizational effectiveness, leadership development, and employee engagement. Now sit upright, hold on tight, and get ready for the Attraction Pros Podcast. Is manually updating all the ticket inventory and prices for your resellers a hassle you would rather avoid? You need Redeem's Channel Manager. It allows you to easily manage all of your resellers, including Reserve with Google, from one central online platform. Channel Manager puts you in the driver's seat with more control, more data, and powerful real-time connectivity. Don't wait to get recovery ready. Get centralized today. Go to www.redeem.com slash attractionprosCM to learn more now. That's Redeem, R-E-D-E-A-M. Hey, Matt, how's it going? It's fantastic, Josh. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Matt, you and I, along with many other people who are listening or, or watching uh, this podcast, started our careers in the industry on in the front lines, right? As a frontline employee in a theme park or attraction and fell in love with the industry there. Uh, what do you remember most when you were a frontline employee of, of what you loved about the job? I loved being able to entertain people. Were you in entertainment? No, no. I was, I was running the roundup at Canopy Lake Park, my very first uh my first ride I ever learned, but I loved being able to, obviously the ride had an attraction, no pun intended, but, um, and there was an enjoyment in actually riding the ride, but when you could interact with people and you could tell them jokes and they're waiting in line, they're standing right behind you, you can joke with them. Um, to me, I think that's what planted the seed of how cool this industry is. How about you? Well, I hate to say it, but it's pretty much the, almost the exact same answer. <laughs> and, and in particular, I, you know, I, I was a ride operator and I remember uh, working in the unload station um, at, at Millennium Force. I spent two summers at, at that ride and particularly having the microphone, actually mm -hmm. I can hold the actual microphone <laughs> and saying, welcome back riders. How was that ride? And using my spieler voice. I think if you go back to the early days of the Attraction Pros podcast, you've heard my my load station, Millennium Force Spiel from right. 15 plus years ago. Uh, and, and you're right, you said entertaining. And I think that that's a really important piece to recognize is that uh, 
when you're hiring people to operate rides or concessions or retail or games or custodial or anything that is front of house and guest facing, you are in some capacity hiring entertainment. And I don't think that that is always recognized by, uh, by, by those who are doing the hiring because they're looking to fill a need for seasonal employees, for frontline employees. And it's more so a question of, can you do the job and check the boxes versus are you, are you a performer? Are you entertaining? And I think that that leads in really nicely with the guest that we have on the podcast today. We have Ryan Stana. We're so excited to have him on the on the podcast today. He is the CEO of RWS Entertainment and RWS Staffing and Binder Casting. Um, he's got lots of hats that he wears in this one role uh, that he's in. But you know, he talks about something uh, a way that his company has pivoted here in 2021 and actually started in 2020, where instead of um, casting for shows, they're casting for frontline positions, frontline um, uh, positions in parks, like you said, rides, concessions, retail, but they're using entertainers, people that may not have gotten a position or, or a role with them in an entertainment production, and they're putting them into the roles of these frontline employees. And he says, it's just exploding. And so what I think is really interesting is when you think back to our first experiences, that was probably something that was within us, right? We, mm -hmm. we saw the, the opportunity. We said, hey, we can kind of have some fun with this. I know personally, I was not trained on how to entertain the guests. I was trained on how to run the ride and run it safely, no doubt about it. But the other stuff just kind of came naturally. And I think when you find the people that have that sort of natural entertainer bent to them, um, you, you really hit a sweet spot in people that can work in, in themed entertainment. And what I think Ryan is doing, which is so cool, is he's taking those people that already have that that um, entertainment uh, outlook and quality and putting them into those roles. And, you know, I, I totally hear what you're saying about, you know, sometimes people are filling roles, they're filling ride operator roles, right? They're filling retail roles. And we may not be thinking about the entertainment value because we feel like we just have to hire a body. We just have to have somebody up there that can run it safely. But when you think about something that Ryan talks about, which is return on experience, you really see how important those frontline employees are and how they can really enhance the guest experience, which is obviously something you talk a whole heck of a lot about. Well, but also what are your guests paying for? You know, yeah. they're, they're paying to be entertained in some capacity. And yeah, you've got the, the machinery that is built to do that, your rides, your attractions. Uh, and then there's the, the human component of it, which, uh, which cannot be lost in any way. Uh, and, and I think this it, this is just such an amazing interview with Ryan. A great story about entrepreneurship too. Uh, going from starting the business at 22 in his living room in New York with two other roommates to uh, then having a 56,000 square foot facility where uh, where they they train tens of thousands of of performers, uh, you know, all the time for. Uh, shows in a wide variety uh, across the world and in resorts, in theme parks, in cruise ships, uh, in stage performances, in traveling tours. And uh, I think this is just going to be such an exciting interview uh, that we should get to right here with Ryan Stana. Ryan Stana, thank you so much for joining us today on the Attraction Pros podcast. How are you doing today, Ryan? I'm doing well. Awesome. Fantastic. So for anybody who hasn't heard of Ryan Stana, I can't believe they haven't, but tell us a little bit about who you are. So I grew up, I'll start in my youth. 
Um, I grew up in a small town outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I was an only child whose parents were both entrepreneurs. So with my parents being entrepreneurs, I learned to really have this no fear mentality in life. And which I think is the reason why I had the courage to open my company. And today I call New York City home and I am the founder and CEO of RWS Entertainment Group. And a little bit about RWS is we are live entertainment production company that produces custom branded experiences across all platforms within hospitality, leisure, attractions, municipality, theatrical and corporate sectors. And we've grown quite large through the years and we currently operate out of a 56,000 square foot facility in New York City. And we also have a headquarters in Europe as well. Ryan, that's really interesting. Thanks for sharing that. And, and particularly the, the no fear element kind of with that, I would say entrepreneurship sort of running through your veins or kind of be, being in your genes there. Can you talk a little bit about that and maybe what some of those inputs were that led you to identifying the need that led to the creation of RWS Entertainment? Yeah, well, so RWS started back in 2003 and I was always interested in two things growing up performing and teaching. And my family taught me that really anything I dreamt, because again, I was an only child, um, anything I dreamt could be a reality. So by the end of high school, those dreams started to push me from being a performer to being behind the table. And I started to really love working and organizing the logistics of providing performances. And there was an entertainment company in Pittsburgh back in the day that hired me to write and choreograph corporate industrials when I was 17 years old. So it was such a great learning experience. They must have been crazy, but I've always been so thankful that they put that trust in me because I learned a lot on how to run a business at a young age. So then I finished college, moved to New York and I started to work as an associate producer for a corporate entertainment firm in New York City. And I was making literally $600 a week. And the creativity that they were portraying was incredible. But they were bringing in say $40,000 for an event and spending $80,000. And I was thinking, this is not adding up and I am destined for failure here. But I had such respect for this company's creativity. So I kept trying to push through by giving them some advice on how to lower budget spend. And then finally, I just gave up. And I called my parents one day and I was like, mom, dad, I hate working here. And they said, hey, Ryan, why don't you start your own business? And I was like, that's a great idea. So I literally walked in that morning. And again, I had no non-compete signed, which anyone out there starting a business, do your non-competes. Um, I had no non-compete signed. And I walked in and said, I'm leaving the company, packed up my bag, walked home, walked into my apartment, which I had two roommates at the time, Colby and Barry. And I said, hey guys, tomorrow I'm opening a company in my living room. And they were like, 
okay, man, sure. And I was like, listen, but I'm going to transfer this number here that will be the business number. So, so people think we're a busy office already. You're gonna have to answer the phone to make it sound like other people work there and I'll deduct money from your utility bill um, to make sure you're being paid through time. So that then that night, back, back in the day, you remember like proposals, how you would have to like print proposal paper, bind it. So I went to Staples down the street, bought my proposal paper, everything. And the next day I sent out an email to all the different clients I worked for since I was 17 saying, hey, I no longer work at this company, but I now work for RWS Entertainment Group because I thought, I'm not going to say I own it because who was going to trust a 22 year old um, to run a business? And that's how RWS Entertainment Group began. That is an amazing story. I love that. That um, awesome. <laughs> I, want, I want to tap into the no fear part of it uh, still, because I think that's something that really grips a lot of people. Like when you say start your own business or heck, write a blog post, they're like, no, I can't do it. Right. So you said that your, your parents were both entrepreneurial mm -hmm. and they kind of instilled this no fear um, sensibility with you. What kind of advice would you give to people who might be kind of trapped in a, in a fearful mode or say, I can't do it, or I shouldn't start a business, or I shouldn't do this or shouldn't do that. And they're, they're really gripped by fear. What would, your, what would your thought be for them? So maybe my answer, you're not going to like, but I'm going to say it. Um, so if someone came to me now in my 40s and said, hey, why don't you start a business? I would say never in a million years. Um, I think when I was 22, I had the energy to work around the clock. And I mean, it's still my life and that was my life at 22 years old. But what I will say to someone that wants to start a business, I will say, be prepared to have the highest highs that no one in your life would ever experience if they did not own a business. You will have higher highs than anyone. But to counter that, you will also have the lowest lows that anyone will ever experience owning a business. And in addition, people will always say, well, I'm going to open my own business and that means I'm not going to work so much. And if you have that thought, do not get into business because I still to this day, my drive every day is this business. I love it. And I literally can't sleep at night, not because of being scared, because of being so excited to go into the office the next day. And that hasn't left me in 18 years of this company. And I think if you have that passion and that drive to do something like that, then you're doing the right thing. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. I, you know, these, these highest highs and the lowest lows, um, you know, is, is just such an important thing to consider because there is this this kind of false reality, almost this facade of people saying like, oh, look at this person, they, they own their own business and they're their own boss. And, you know, they're, they're lounging on the beach whenever they want to versus what actually is happening behind the scenes of what might not necessarily go into the public arena. So thank you for sharing that. Uh, you know, when we talk about, I would say those, those ebbs and flows, you started the company in 2003. So you've been able to see a number of different economic climates, the, you know, the, the recession in 08, 09, and then the boom that came in the 2010s. And then, of course, we, you know, 
can't can't avoid talking about what happened in 2020 and with COVID. Can you talk a little bit about uh, how you were able to pivot your business model a little bit to weather the storm of 2020? Sure. So first, I'm going to go back to 08 in that time. In 08, it was actually the largest growth in our business ever, because at that point, people were trying to consolidate. So where theme parks and attractions were hiring producers to produce their show product, they used to go into one theater and say, hey, we're gonna hire a producer for this one theater. We're gonna hire a cast for this one theater. And then we're also gonna purchase IP to do the show. So whether it's a famous cartoon character, a famous television station develop, to develop into a show. Well, at that point, RWS started um, representing all the major brands. So for one paycheck, you could get a Barbie show, you could get the full scenic and production and the payroll for the cast for an entire year by paying us one check. So we grew, I feel like it was like 220% in one year time just by offering those package deals. So one cast, one cast of people did six different productions in the park of different themes. So all the parks loved it. And in addition, the liability was off the park shoulders for having that talent. So that was a big change. And from there, we've grown every year immensely. And right now we're, we're 110 full-time staff across the world. And prior to the pandemic, we were hiring 4,500 performers and technicians a year. So now let's talk about, Josh, how you ask about the pandemic. So in quarter four of 2019, our European headquarters opened. Well, we decided on March 12, 2020, March 12th was gonna be our grand opening celebration for the London headquarters. So I woke up the morning of March 12th um, at 6 a.m. to essentially a disaster of having people all over the world in entertainment and trying to make people um, feel safe. And from that 6 a.m. in the morning till 6 p.m. before our party, we lost about $30 million in business. Mm. And when that was happening, I, I was like in complete shock and my leadership team was with me. And at that point I thought, I wanna really go back to my hotel room and like cover my head and not come out. But at that point there was this surge of energy that wasn't about just producing product. It was truly about focusing on the positivity of being a leader and a CEO, and that's what I am paid to do. And it was this drive that came over me that gave me the same excitement, essentially, as producing product. And I, I had four, four focuses during that pandemic when it hit. It was one, making sure our employee safety was first at all times. Two, making sure I overly communicated to our employees and to our clients. Because if you think you're over communicating, you should communicate more, especially during a crisis like that. And also being innovative 
and lead with strong action items. So those were the four things that I made literally a sticky note every day and put it on my computer screen to make sure I was making sure I was safe, I was making sure I communicated, I was making sure I innovated, and I made sure I led with action items with strong directives. Because anything in the gray during that time, people were not clinging to. They wanted black or white. And so that was sort of how the pandemic hit. It has been like anything I've ever experienced to date. And when I say the lowest lows, it was, it was a low, low time. And quite literally a roller coaster. But we're persevering every single day. Um, my company has been able to safely come back to live entertainment. And we've been operating live show products since last June. And I'm very proud of that. So additionally, we've been able to explore areas within the industry that needed support um, due to the changes brought on from COVID-19, which I don't know if you've heard about, but RWS staffing is a great example of this on really helping the amusement industry during a time of need. Yeah, Ryan, I'm glad you brought up RWS staffing because that's something that caught my eye a little bit ago and, and really um, uh, I've been wanting to have you on the podcast for a long time, but that was something that really gave me the spark to, to reach out. Um, so I'd love if you could talk a little bit more about that because that's what I thought of when you started talking about innovating, right? And how that could uh, help propel you forward, especially during a time of crisis. So the floor is yours. Tell us all about it. So RWS staffing. So again, Everything about working for RWS as a performer or a technician is about trajectory and a path to success. So we believe in creating stepping stones for our performers. So one year you work at a park for us, the next year a resort, the next year a cruise ship, the next year a national tour, the next year a Broadway show, the next year you're in commercials and film. And we're able to do that because of the clients RWS has. And then also our subsidiary Bender Casting is one of the largest casting offices in New York City. So we cast commercials, TV shows, film, Broadway, um, you name it, we cast that. And so we cast you know, the heavy hitters like The Lion King and Radio City Rockettes. So when you're a performer at that young age of 20, 21, 22, you want to work for us because you see this growth. But also on the flip side, if you don't do well for us, probably won't have you know, much of a, a career. So that is the trajectory. So let's remember that. Let's go to RWS staffing. So seasonal staffing has been a challenge for parks and resorts for decades. And for decades, the hospitality industry supplemented with their local workforce, and in addition, students from study abroad programs. And so due to COVID-19 pandemic, those programs dramatically decreased, leaving these parks and resorts with a tremendous staffing challenge. So we audition, again, 100 in 100 cities across the world, and we see almost 20,000 people a year. And only 5,000 of those people are hired for performing jobs but there are 15,000 other people that got up, came to an audition, have great personalities and strong work ethics. And we thought there's a place for them in delivering the ultimate guest experience. So we've always had that in the back of our mind, but we did nothing with it. So then in the summer of 2020, 
we quickly reacted to fill the need of several longtime clients by matching them with ambitious performers eager to put their theatrical training to work. So literally a couple of the Palace Entertainment Parks called us and said, hey, Ryan, um, we're opening the parks next week. We're in desperate need of labor. We have an idea. Can you staff all of our parks? And I thought, hey, we always sort of had this in the back of our mind. And I was like, when do you need these people? And they were like, next week. <laughs> and I said, you know what? We'll do it. I said, we need to work back and forth. We have to be partners in this to see how it works. So we launched a pilot program in 2020 at a few of the Palace Entertainment Parks. It included extensive safety and health training for employees. And it really turned out to be a successful common combination, providing an incredible guest experience for visitors and also filling that critical need for those RWS clients. And the guest satisfaction surveys blew through the roof. And the clients were saying to us, we're going to pay that extra money because the guest satisfaction is unbelievable. I mean, the, the ride operators were singing chants and, and the, the guest service people were greeting the people with the biggest smiles. And so I went to one of the parks, actually Storyland in New Hampshire. And I thought if we plan to launch this in 21, I need to know what this is like because every other area of my business, I worked as a performer in, so I know what it's like but I never had a job as a front of house staff anywhere. My only job in life has been a performer or a CEO. So I went and spent the day working an entire shift at um, one of the concession stands. And I learned a lot to be able to really shape this program as a CEO. And it was like truly like undercover boss. The staff members working there, they were 16 year olds. They had no idea. And I was trying to help them with, they were talking about saving their money and I was giving them advice on saving their money. And I was thinking probably that night they went home to their parents and was like, this old man was giving me advice on how to save money. And he's here working at Storyland at an hourly job. Like, <laughs> you know, they, they didn't know, but, but I learned so much. So that being said, after that successful pilot program in 2020, we continually know even when the study abroad people come back, there's a continual need for seasonal employees. So we expanded the program, opened it into the hospitality businesses across the country, and it has been a huge success. And we really look forward to raising not only the client's experience, but the guest's experience with this division. And, and I don't want people to think about it. And when clients are reaching out to us, I said, we are not just providing a body. We are providing the true guest experience that I believe will shape the new age of theme park attractions. Ryan, I think that's uh, so cool. And, and to see really how you were able to, I, I guess, make that pivot in 2020 and be able to leverage this, this pool of incredible talent 
uh, beyond just the roles that you were normally looking to fill. Um, and, it, and I think it's, it's amazing to see, uh, you know, how, how well it worked out both for the, for the clients, for the staff, and also for the guests as well. I'm curious then how you are also making sure that you are uh, helping to continue fulfill the goals of those staff members who you might be offering this opportunity that maybe it wasn't necessarily their first choice because they want to be on stage and performing. And then you're saying, Hey, I've got this amazing opportunity here that you're able to do. How are you ensuring that, that you're uh, uh, continuing them on the trajectory that you talked about earlier? Sure. So we have an incentive program here that's called RWS ignites. So again, we believe in the growth of our anyone that works for us. So a really important thing in the entertainment industry is knowing managers, knowing casting directors, and knowing agents. Well, we are very connected to those three sectors of the business. So we set up goals for our staff and our employees throughout the season when they work for us, that if they reach those goals, they then get to be part of RWS Ignites. So after they finish a season with us, the, the top performers of our season across essentially the world, because you have to remember, I have people in resorts across the world, cruise lines across the world, and theme parks across the world. Anyone that completes a, a strong season with us, they then get a private audition for an agent, in-person audition for an agent, which is like, winning the lottery for an actor. So that is how we set that trajectory so they can really have something to look forward to. But again, if they don't follow that trajectory, then, th then we're not interested in them continuing with RWS. Hmm. So Ryan, uh, first of all, is there any footage of you working at Storyland? There's pictures. Okay. I, I will have marketing send you pictures. We're, we're going to need those. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I do have to say, I forget the young lady's name that I worked with, but I felt like I was so close with her. Like I bonded with her during the day and we finished afterwards and I was doing the cleanup of all the pots and pans to get ready for the next shift. And I was learning from her on how to do it. And I left and I was like, hey, like air hugs, I'll, I'll see you soon. And she was like, see you later, Dan. She <laughs> forgot my name. I was like, I was devastated. And the park president was like hysterical because he knew I was, I really thought we were gonna be like Facebook friends for life. Right, yeah, best buddies, <laughs> best buddies. Um, so first of all, yes, thank you. You must send those pictures. Um, one of the things I'm curious uh, about from a, from a theme park sp uh, perspective and a staffing perspective is that a lot of times it's really valuable to have people come back year after year after year, you know, mm -hmm. to, to create bench strength and to make sure that they, they really know the product. So is that kind of worked into your plan at all, or is this kind of a one year and then, you know, hopefully you move on to something else? Yeah. I mean, we want them to move on to something else. You know, that is our goal. The, the, we never want, and I think where our success is, if you go and work for a theme park company as a performer, you're really gonna stay with that theme park company. Working for RWS, they see like, oh, I can do a season at a park, I can go on a ship, I can then go and audition for a Broadway show. So we want them to see that trajectory. We want that growth. But from having that growth, we see a lot of 
work for us for the summer, then go on a cruise ship with us. And then they have three months off and they come back and work at the park again. So it, it started sort of this cycle for a lot of people because we can only keep people out at sea for six months. So there's other months in there that they're either doing, you know, winter events at the parks, Halloween events at the parks or summer. So it's created this great cycle between the cruise line industry and the park industry. Neat, that's cool. When it comes to that trajectory, how important is the chronology uh, and, and the order that you talked about? Or, or can some parts of it be rearranged and be done in a different order? Yeah, I would say between RWS staffing, theme park performer, resort performer, and cruise line performer, that is sort of intermingled. By the time you're starting to do national tours, Broadway, commercials, and film, you're probably not likely to come back and work on a cruise ship or a theme park. But what I do have to say, those individuals that have grown with us and they say they go and perform in a Lion King on Broadway for us, they come back to us and they're choreographers at Hershey Park for RWS. They're directors for us. So it sort of cycles in a different way from that area. So, so that's been great to do. And in addition, on cruise lines, there's such a thing called guest entertainers. So those guest entertainers, if you do that trajectory with us and you're starring in a Broadway show that we cast, we then bring you back as a guest entertainer on the ship. So it's sort of all part of a really great cycle that at the end of the day benefits the client, but most importantly, it benefits the guest. Yeah, and I would say, like you're talking about that trajectory, you know, when you think about a typical actor, it's so hard to get any kind of role, right? right. Then to get into a family where you've got all these different connections, I would think that's just kind of gold to someone who's in a performer role like that. Exactly, exactly. And, and that's what fulfills me. You know, when I walk through our studios on a daily basis and, and those performers will say to me, thank you so much for that introduction or thank you so much... That is what this is about. If it, we can't, parks cannot have great experiences or great shows without great labor or performers or team members. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's all about that cycle to me. Yeah. Ryan, there's one thing on the RWS website that uh, stood out to us. And we're wondering if you can expand on it. And it's the sure. statement that uh, you're made up of a team of bold makers and mold breakers. I wanted to make sure I said that slowly enough as to not trip yeah. through it. It can be a little bit of a, a tongue twister, uh, but a really cool statement. And uh, we're hoping you can expand a little on what inspired that and what that means. Sure. So I have to be honest, we did not come up with it. A branding firm came up with it, <laughs> but- Give credit we, where credit is due, right? <laughs> yes, Exactly. We've never been about business as usual and we won't start now. So that really means embracing the evolution of what entertainment can be and driving the innovation behind how we make it. So experiences, attractions, or redefining the guest journey, whatever lies ahead, us as bold makers and mold breakers will have a hand in it. So it's just about us that we're never business as usual. We are always figuring out ways to change the market and innovate. And that's uncomfortable for some people. And that's who we are. And I will always say to 
a, a potential client. If you wanna bring us on and expect us to deliver a product, stay quiet and not care about its success, don't hire us because our goal is to be there and create the main attraction. That is our goal. And we're gonna make sure your marketing team's involved, your F&B team's involved, your entertainment team and management to the highest degrees involved. And if they're not, then don't look for it to be successful. You do all those things when you launch a roller coaster. So you need to do all those things when you launch an experience product. And, and that's sort of how we start to figure out who we wanna work with. I would also imagine Ryan that that statement is great for recruiting new people into RWS. Like you've got you've to understand that we're not going to do business as usual. So can you kind of walk us through how that helps with recruiting as well? Oh yeah, I think it's just it, essentially what I said. You see, you know, our staff. Like today, I had I had a meeting with them, and I was like, "Listen, everybody, as you know, eight days ago we announced RWS staffing. It has grown to be the largest surge of a division in RWS history. I need all of you to be on board. I need all of you to have this vision." So we are not just supplying labor, we're supp supplying theatrical talent. And I need you to have that vision. And I think that is who the bold makers and mold breakers are because they're being pushed to get outside of their comfort zone. So imagine today on a call, if you were a casting director for me on, a on The Lion King, and I'm now saying to you, you now have to help us in supplying these staff members to work at theme parks, that's a shock to your system. But again, I will always reiterate to them, you are a bold maker and you are a mold breaker. So get out and break that mold today, everybody. And that was literally on, on a staff meeting today at 11 a.m. So it, it, it runs in our blood and that's how we find our people and that's how people in culture vet who comes to work here. Yeah. No, that's, that's really interesting. And in addition to RWS staffing, we also want to talk about Bender Casting too, um, mm -hmm. and that you acquired that in 2016. So can you tell us a little bit about how that came about and how that fit in uh, with RWS and, and what that's done for you? Yeah. So again, um, when we purchased Bender in 2016, and it still is one of the leading casting offices in New York City. Our office has cast over 150 Broadway, off-Broadway, and national touring productions all over the world. So we have Beauty and the Beast in Shanghai, a, a chorus line in Spain. We have Lion King in multiple countries. So full trajectory. In addition to those national and international projects, we do on-camera commercials, we do voiceovers, and we do print projects. So from the Radio City Rockettes to commercials that range from McDonald's to Audi, we have a hand in all of that. And the acquisition was the first step in a long-term strategic plan for RWS to expand with an arm in commercial theater producing and development. So if you ever visit RWS Studios and RWS Entertainment Group in New York City, you almost walk into a movie studio. There are wardrobe facilities, video design facilities, props being built, 
rehearsal studios, Cirque studios. We're literally a one-stop shop. So because we're that one-stop shop, we can develop Broadway shows at a lower cost. So, so that is why we purchased Bender. But in addition, we are now providing that performer trajectory, the trajectory that we talk so much about today um, because everyone wants to work towards success. Everyone wants to be a star and everyone wants to have a goal. And that trajectory allows that to happen. And that was really our move in, in, in purchasing Vendor Casting. And another, speaking of pivot, another proud moment for that office was directly after the pandemic hit, if you watched any of the Match.com commercials, we cast all those Match.com commercials, which are the first commercials ever filmed with people's iPhones at home. So we were casting um, the actors to not only make sure they looked great, but their homes looked great as well to be because they filmed their own commercial. So that, that's just ways in how all this comes together. Yeah, that is really, really neat. Um, I'd like to switch gears just for a little bit and talk specifically about, you know, writing and producing a show for a theme park or a, a, a cruise ship and that kind of thing, because and obviously there's a lot of different options out there for people, which tells us that people find different things entertaining. So I'm curious how you approach writing a show that will hit all the right notes, quote unquote, um, so that people are entertained, people are, you know, they're moved in some way. Like, can you kind of walk us through that entertainment, you know, creative process a little bit? Sure. So first of all, our process, again, is working very hand in hand, not only with the entertainment department, but the marketing department and also food and beverage because now we should be creating an experience that helps promote f and sales as well so i always believe that beginning meeting should be with all three parties then we go through the standard process of scripting and and doing the music composition and whatnot but one process we have that no one does across the industry is we do what's called a workshop process. So after the script and music is complete, we present the entire show in our studios to our client. So they see it before we even build the costumes, build the scenery, hire the performers. They see it with our rehearsal performers doing a workshop presentation. So any show, at the large parks that you see at Cedar Fair or Hershey Park, we developed that show through a workshop process because at the end of the day, it saves them a lot of money because what's worse than the day before opening the attraction and the park president saying, oh my goodness, this scenic is terrible. These costumes are hideous. Well, now they get to see everything in front of them way ahead of time. So that's something that differs, but Really, our storytelling approach to creating an experience must answer always two important questions for us. One, what are the emotional souvenirs that the guests are going to leave with? And what is the return on experience? While most companies measure success on return on investment, of course, they will find themselves really missing the mark because if the story that we're telling and the return on experience is successful, your return on investment will naturally follow and exceed expectations 
because that emotional souvenir that the guests leave with, that's everything. Because they'll always say, wow, I remember that moment at Hershey Park, or I remember that moment at Bush Gardens. And that's what it's about. And, and that will make them go there and continue to spend more money. Yeah. That phrase, return on experience, I've heard that popping up more and more each days uh, or these days. And, and wondering if I, you can expand a little bit on what that really entails, particularly as it relates to an entertainment product. Yeah you want to return and see that experience again. And it's all about FOMO, the fear of missing out. And so we wanna create experiences that people see on the media and say, I wanna go there or I, I'm upset that I'm not with my friends today. And then they go back and then they wanna come back again. And, and a small little thing with that is when we do shows, after the shows, having our performers meet and greet with the guests and say, thank you so much for coming. That interaction is what makes them return and what makes them purchase another thing of cotton candy in the seat, another thing of lemonade, and also leaving saying, oh my gosh, I want that souvenir that looks exactly like the dress that that girl's wearing on stage. Yeah. That is the return on experience. Yeah. You know, and Ryan, in, in talking to you, um, it's easy to see why you and your company are an award-winning uh, entity. Um, looks like you've gotten an Emmy, a brass ring, a golden ticket. So of those three specifically, which one means the most? Okay. Um, each of them have very, very different meanings to me and to the team at RWS. Most people, I'm sure, are saying, uh, of course, the Emmy Award means the most to you. That is not the case. I would say the Golden Ticket Award and the first Brass Ring Award we won mean the most to me. So the Brass Ring, the first one we won was for a main stage show we produced at Santa's Village in Jefferson, New Hampshire. And if you've never been there, I highly suggest going because it's one of the most beautiful parks in, in the world. This was back in 2006 when the company was pretty small and a lot of blood, sweat, and tears went into that show product. And that moment in Orlando, seeing the owner's faces when they won that award was worth everything to me. I mean, I, I still get chills when I say it. Second, the Golden Ticket Awards, we were the first entertainment firm ever to win Supplier of the Year because of our nighttime show product at Cedar Point. Mm. And that was something amazing because, you know, it's all about those steel coasters. It's all about the rides. And to see us get that recognition was so fulfilling to me and to my team. And our goal is always, like I said earlier, to make entertainment the main attraction at theme parks. And that felt like we did that when we won those awards. And even though anytime I do guest speaking segments, the first thing that says is, ladies and gentlemen, introducing Emmy award winning, you know, Ryan Stana. I, 
I, I want someday, and it's my drive in this industry, to make sure that the Brass Ring Awards and the Golden Ticket Awards get that same prestigious introduction. And that's what drives me. And I have to say, like, small things. Uh, there's a gentleman by the name of Connor Gallagher, who's a well-known choreographer, and he choreographed Beetlejuice um, on Broadway. And in his Playbill bio, it said he won the Brass Ring Award. And I highlighted it and sent it to everyone at IAPA headquarters. And I said, look at what we're doing. Look at the change that we're making. And that's the drive I have. And essentially someday I hope they say Emmy Award, Brass Ring Award and Golden Ticket Award winner um, and have it as that same prestige. But it doesn't just take us as a company. It takes all of us in an industry to respect what everyone's doing to, to raise the guest experience. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's, that's really uh, important to recognize that. And, and yeah, hopefully we do see that, that recognition for golden tickets and brass rings be of equal level, level of uh, as, as Emmys. Um, when, when you say that there was that blood, sweat and tears that went into that show uh, at Santa's village in New Hampshire, mm -hmm. what, what were some of those, those inputs there? If you could, you know, kind of, deconstruct that award and what went into winning that award? What, you know, what, what was it that made it? Understanding what the client wanted, the relationship with the client, the involvement with the client, the dedication of my team, knowing that they were gonna have to get their hands dirty. Um, you know, ev everyone that works for us, I'm, I'm a, a Pennsylvania boy. So like my nature is to clean, work hard, like that's me. And though back in that time, I was painting the sets. I was making sure the costumes look good. I was singing the background tracks to the show recordings. I mean, we did everything back then. We, we wore many hats. And I think that love for the industry and the collaboration of not just providing a show product to a client, but us being a partnership in providing a show product together made that successful. And, and, and there's some days I wish I was back to painting the sets because <laughs> it would make life a lot easier. Sure. <laughs> well, Ryan, I wanted to, um, as we kind of wrap this up here, I wanted to go back to the two jobs that you said you've had, performer and CEO. And I want you to compare those two. What are the similarities? What are the differences? Have you learned something from being a performer that you're actually applying as a CEO? Well, curveballs. I mean, working on stage, you have to deal with curveballs of things not going right. And that's your life as a CEO. But I think as a performer and as a CEO, you, you come to realize that you are on stage and you are visible by everybody. And what you say means everything and how you act means everything. And that's something that anytime we have promotions within the company or, or whatnot and people get to um, a higher level, I always say to them, how you are perceived and how you perform is everything. And that is what you learn being a performer and that's what you have to do being a CEO. And, and I put on my performing chops really well during this pandemic because there were days again that I 
wanted to crawl into a hole. But I thought, no, this is my job. This is my role that I've taken on. And now I have to perform it. I think that's really interesting. And uh, it reminds me, I, I, read it, I, I read the book, The Experience Economy, uh, mm-hmm. you know, last summer. Um, they, I think they had just re-released like the 20 year edition, like right before the pandemic hit. Um, so it, it doesn't cover anything in that, but, uh, but there's this whole chapter on work as theater and you know the the example that you gave of being the CEO that you are a performer and the importance of having that performer background and being able to whether it's deliver a message, lead a team, uh, you know, communicate certain concepts that that it's all so intertwined. Uh, what about your third job of working one day in a in a concession? What were some of the things that maybe you learned from that or that surprised you that you were able to take with you after that day? First of all, I left, first of all, I will never order a milkshake again at a theme park because the work (laughs) I went through making milkshakes and also that hand squeezed lemonade, never again, never again. By the end of the day, I was telling people, like they would come up to the counter and be like, I would like six milkshakes and three lemonades. And literally one customer, I said, listen, if you do not order the lemonade or the milkshakes, I'll pay for whatever you want on the menu. And I literally took out my credit card. And I mean, they took me to the cleaner. They bought about $150 worth of food. And then you turn to the girl next to you you and tell her how to save money. Oh yeah, well she was probably this full, you know, but um, so so one, no hand squeezed lemonade, no milkshake. (laughs) The other thing that I left with such admiration for those workers and what they were doing and how they not only supplied a great guest experience, and these were not RWS staffers, these were 15, 16 year old kids that just had this innate nature to compliment the guests, know how to take their orders and and work hard. And I left that day and, and went to dinner that night and the next morning I woke up And I said to my husband, I was in the hotel, I was really sore, like my entire body was sore. And I thought, I can't believe that they now have to get up and go and do this again today. And I left with such admiration, but that's where the spark of the love for the industry comes in. And and that's what I learned being my one day job. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. So if you could go back and work another job, um, what would it be at a theme park? At a theme park? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that, that's, that, that's a good one. Probably I would want to be a, a head of marketing or a head of entertainment um, in that way. I also wouldn't mind being a park president or a general manager. I wouldn't either yeah yeah (laughs) either or but but those are those are the jobs that I I I cling on to when I go to the park that I love seeing what they're doing excellent excellent well Ryan this has been a a fabulous uh interview and and conversation so thank you so much for your time if people wanted to find out more about you or RWS entertainment where would you send them so experience rws.com Um, that you can go to and learn about all the um, offerings that we give for 
parks, resorts, and cruise lines throughout the world. And you can go to bindercasting.com to learn about the casting services we provide as well. So enjoy that. You can check me out, check the company out on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Instagram. We're there. So, so follow along. Excellent. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate the opportunity to chat with you and to everyone who is out there watching and listening. Just remember, we are all Attraction Pros. Thanks for listening to the Attraction Pros podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you can tune in when new episodes release. And even better, please leave us a review on iTunes. For more information, visit attractionpros.com.